This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thanks for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 24, The Toad Fly. So before we get started, go to your internets and follow them on Facebook, like them on Twitter, and thumbs up them on Instagram. They also have Pinterest. So the podcast sort of derived from the iCast IFTD show in Las Vegas 2013, where Tim the owner of the fly shop got a hold of me and said, Hey, we should do a, uh, a podcast while you're here. We sort of connected over social media and we just never got around to doing it there. So we finally were able to sit down and do an interview over Skype. So if there are some audio dropouts, that is why. So we're going to talk about fly fishing in and around Arkansas and all the way down to the Gulf and way up to the Pacific Northwest. So I hope you enjoy this. And there's one thing of everything else in this podcast that you're going to learn it's about an animal that lives near them that I had no idea was going to live near them. Also, just want to throw out, we are trying to relocate the business to the Fort Collins area of Colorado. So if anybody knows of a job in the outdoor industry with benefits, please contact me. I would really appreciate that. And without further ado, this is the Toadfly Podcast. We are now recording. All right, guys. So that only took 20 minutes on my end. <laughs> no um, prop. All right. So we are here with the lads from the Toadfly shop calling us live from Arkansas. Do you guys want to just um, give us like the, the spiel about who you guys are and what you do? All right. My name's uh, Chris Morris. I'm with Chasing Waters uh, here at the Toadfly shop. And this is Tim Bull. I am on the on the toad fly. I'm Jordan Case. I'm just the uh, part-time hand. All right, so we got three people now. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan just fantastic. In and out, in and out when he wants. <laughs> I had to go get the food. <laughs> Very nice. All right, so um, how long has the fly shop been open? You want to talk about? So there's the bio on the website, Tim, about how you decided that you wanted to be like a full-time thing and. Your wife and your daughters were all for it. So how did it go from an idea that, hey, I want to run a fly shop to actually getting a brick and mortar? And we obviously, I mean, uh, we prayed about it quite a bit and uh, found this little building 
that just uh, looks like a little cabin in the center of Conway. And it's just right off the downtown district. That's kind of when it really all started moving forward. We found this building, um, made a lowball offer on it, and she took it. And then we started renovating it and started putting it all together and trying to make it happen. When did you have your grand opening? Had a grand opening in July of last year. Yeah, last year. Okay. Yeah. Things have just kind of gotten a little bit out of hand, I guess. I mean, we started off with the fly shop, and then uh, I have some buddies that uh, have their own hunting hunting show on uh, Pursuit Channel, uh, South Face Media. We got with them and went up to uh, the White River just to shoot kind of a little commercial, just a promo for the shop, and then ended up that turned into a TV series. So Called Chasing Waters. Yep. yep. Okay. So we'll come back to the Chasing Waters in a, in a little bit. I actually have a list of cool. questions. So um, you opened in July. Is that what brought you to ICAST, IFTD in, in Vegas? We, we, we tried to meet up and, and do this in person? Yeah. I'm brand new on the retail side of this. So trying to find out where all the new products and stuff were, uh, the ICAST was just perfect. You know, it worked out just perfect to go out there and see all the new new things. And that, that's what got me to Vegas. Yeah, it was overwhelming. We're looking forward to going to Orlando this year for it. Yeah, my wife's already said she's going to that one. She didn't have any desire nice. to go to Vegas. But. Uh, my wife just hung out at the pools at Vegas all day, and then she picked me up with like a 20-ounce PBR, ice cold. <laughs> it was fan- fantastic. All right, so where did the name come from, the Toad Fly? Conway has what's in the center of town called uh, Toad Suck. They have a Toad Suck festival every year. Toad Suck arrived from Toad Suck... Ferry? Yeah. yeah. Jordan's actually from Conway. I'll let him do the, the Toad Suck story. So supposedly Toad Suck got its name before they built the dam and the bridge across from Conway County to Faulkner County, which Conway's in Faulkner County. And they had a ferry that would run back and forth. Well, this is before they used to dredge the Arkansas River out for sand and before the dam was built. Obviously. So it would the river would silt up and get super shallow in places. And these tugboat operators would run up on sand and beach their you know barge and supposedly there was a liquor store around there and supposedly they would drink until their heads swelled up like toads because they were stuck on a sandbar and that's kind of where it originated (laughs) okay so so we just took the toad from the toad suck and then fly shop and made it the toad fly Excellent. And you've got the, the logo of the toad with the fly stuck on him? Yeah. On his tongue? Yeah, we worked with uh, Pat Cohen on that. Awesome. You know, of you Superfly. Uh, got with him, shot him an email, asked him if he'd help design the logo, and he came up with that. And that was a winner right off the bat. Everybody loves the logo. I've had, yeah, it's very unique. Yeah. So if I was going to throw a dart at Arkansas, where would I hit for Conway? You would hit. Not that I've got aim or anything, but if it were to hit Conway. Where would it be? You'd hit uh, just a little left of center of okay. Arkansas. So you've got the web presence. You guys are, are pretty dialed in with social media, the logo, going to ICAST, IFTD. Does that play like a big part in, in bringing in e-commerce and site traffic? Well, it's more, and just it's more, general knowledge of the site and store? It, it's, it's more of knowledge of the store. I mean, you know. Most of your fly shops are established. You know, in, in Arkansas, you've got a couple that are established names, even though they've changed hands two or three times, and pretty much all over everywhere. So that was something I was trying to do just to, to get our name out there as, as where to go. You know, we try to do things just a little bit different, be a little bit more. We're not right on the river. We're 45 minutes from a, a trout stream. So we try to do a lot more education, casting classes, tying classes. I mean, we have a tying night tonight. Uh, people start showing up around seven, and we do a ten dollar tie night. We'll tie a fly. Everybody shows up, pays ten bucks. All the materials are provided, and just kind of hang out, swap stories, and learn to tie a couple flies. But right, so you guys have that on the blog and your website, so people can go and see what you've tied previously. Right, right, and sometimes it's just we wait and see who all shows up, see what people want to tie. You know, because you have varying levels of tires that come in. Sometimes we get real crazy, and sometimes it's you know just a simple scud or a midge or something. Is something for some people that are getting started. Absolutely. So for a year opening, you guys have already had Pat Cohen do your artwork, and you've had April Vokey come in and do tying and casting classes. Yeah, that's that's pretty good for your first year open. Yep, year and a half. Trying to promote the sport. You know, there seems to be a little bit of a resurgence with with some of the younger guys. I mean. You, Absolutely. But 
kind of started to die off a little bit. So we're trying to bring in some of the new blood. And, and, you know, I love, you know, the Pat Cohens and Schmidt and all those guys that are that are doing the new stuff. Elaborate time with the streamers. Yeah, the streamers have really brought a lot of young people back, it seems like. Yeah. Yep. I also think that social media where you can go out and do your GoPro and your Instagrams and your YouTubes and put it all up there for everyone to see. I see just so many more like college age, I wouldn't call them bros, but like 20 something guys out there with, you know, a bottle of whiskey, their PBRs and they're just fishing hardcore all day and then just writing about it on their own blog, their own social media. And I just see a lot more of the young guys. I used to work at Orvis years ago and, it was the guys with the cane rods and pipes and tweed, and now it's it's Gore-Tex and um, fast-action graphite rods and... Flat-bill hats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Flat-billed hats. That doesn't... I need, a, I need a bent one. You know, the, and the, the film tours and all... Right. done tons of things to bring people back into it. I, something else that I found interesting is the amount of women that are, that are getting into the sport. And I think that's yeah. awesome. You know, I have two daughters, so... You know, I pushed that a lot. That was one of the main reasons I wanted to bring April in is to show that there was an avenue for a woman in the sport Mm -hmm. so that my girls didn't think it was just a a guy's only thing, especially, you know, the old guy in the tweed hat with a cigar. It's cool. And I I ran Groupon a couple years ago. I want to say probably more than half of my clients were were women and wanted to learn how to fly fish. That was a great way to introduce them. With April or? No, I, I ran a group on oh, myself. Oh, okay, of course. Gotcha, gotcha, uh, yeah. Yeah, when I quit corporate life and started guiding for a living, we called up Groupon and said, I mean, I was I was getting one or two clients a week and then it honestly went from one or two a week to seven days a week for about a year and a half. Wow. Cool. It was exhausting. A lot of broken rods. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. That's what the warranty's for. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the seasonality? You guys uh, have a slow season. Is that way you're doing a lot of time? Well, the cool thing about Arkansas is uh, we have three tailwaters, Norfolk to White and Little Red. And so you can fish them year-round here. So there's really no downtime in Arkansas as far as trout fishing. Yeah. And we just learned this past weekend that there's uh, even places to smallmouth fish. We went and hit the 11 Point in Missouri, which is just right over the border, the 11 Point River. It was a spring there's a big spring right there at the head of the river and the smallmouth were just stacked up in there. And it was uh, literally almost every cast you'd catch a fish. So fantastic. there's water all around Arkansas. It's just, that's one of the things we're trying to do with the show is just show all the different places that there are to fish. And then, and then also that it's not just about trout. I mean, fly fishing is just another way to fish. It, it amazes me with some people that are new to the sport. When they walk in the store, it's like, where's, where can we trout fish? Well, you can trout fish at the Little Red and the White and the North Fork, but you can go right out to the lake and brimfish. Or know. hybrids and stripers, yeah. which are a blast. There's tons of things to do with a fly rod besides just hunt trout. Absolutely. Yeah, we have trout. It's about a two-hour drive from D.C. So we're blessed with the Potomac right here that runs through town and then all the warm water local ponds. And we've got sewage outflows. But, yeah, two-hour drive is what we've got to do for trout. So once people start to realize... There's some pretty good fishing right in their backyard. I mean, the shad will be here in two months. Yeah. Y'all, and that's just crazy. They, they did a little documentary film on that here not too long ago, didn't they? Oh, that was us. Yeah. Okay. That was Urban Lines yeah. fishing. Yeah. So I was the guy with the, the client with the snakehead in that one. Okay. We also have snakeheads here now, <laughs> which don't eat flies very often. Did they do a reward program for catching those and – at first, yeah, it was you could get entered into uh, Bass Pro Shops for like a two hundred dollar gift card. I think people realize you can just sell them black market, and they're nine to fifteen bucks a pound. So a lot of the people just go out and just when they're spawning, they run like salmon. They're stacked up, yeah. and they have no fear. I mean, people use pitchforks and spears <laughs> and gigs, and they'll pull out you know fifteen pound fish, and that's you know, fifteen times nine. That's a lot of money you can get for one fish. Yeah. Are they not? Is the government not trying to eradicate them there? They spawn three times a year and do about three hundred thousand young each time. So yeah, there's no way they're getting rid of them. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. we got them here uh, a couple years ago. There was a big influx of them that flew down in East Arkansas. That came. Some guy was supposedly raising a bunch, and in his reservoir, the water came up and got in there, and they got loose. And uh, I think 
That's all it takes. Yeah, they yeah. fish eradicated them here, tried to. Yeah, they had to poison a uh, creek. Yeah. Basically creek. killed everything in it. Yeah, our Potomac is just so big. Now they're they're crossing. They're going like down the shorelines and up the rest of the rivers. And basically, the only thing that's keeping them out of the upper Potomac is Great Falls. But if they get into the canal, the Sino Canal, which parallels the river, they can ride that wherever they want. Or just take some dummy to take them out and throw them over. Yeah. But yeah, it only took four fish. That's how our whole river got infested it was just four individuals that's amazing and they're big they come they breathe air they'll come up right next to your boat <laughs> scare the jesus out of you. we have alligators yeah. here to do that really yeah we've got a little pond i was gonna take i'm not gonna say where it's at because we're still gonna take jordan out there put the drift boats in yeah. and have alligator rods next to a drift boat <laughs> Wait, not alligator gar but alligator. no, alligators yeah wow i didn't realize they're that far north yeah, they brought them in for some reason. Nobody's really figured out why, but she... someone dumped caimans in the lake down the street, but they never established. That's crazy. There's alligators up there. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It makes duck hunting interesting when you're out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For species, we talked, we got trout, I'm guessing, brown brook rainbow. Yep. Maybe there's some cutthroats, I think, in there too, yep. maybe? Yeah, the, ma- the main thing, like in the little red... You, uh, brown trout are not stocked. They're naturally reproduced there. They're actually stocked back in the late 70s by the Arkansas fly fishers because the game of fish were only putting in uh, hatchery rainbows. So the browns forever have just been naturally reproducing on their own in the Little Red. And then they're stocked on the uh, the White and the North Fork, but they also reproduce there. Was that a lot of the Dave Whitlock stuff back in the that day? That was all Whitlock. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love him. Yeah, awesome. I'll see him this weekend at Somerset. I'll give him a big hug. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love that man. I think he thinks I'm a stalker, but I'm like, <laughs> I love him. So you got the trout, and then you got striped bass and hybrid striped bass. So you got small what mouth. we call wipers. Yeah. Small mouth. Large mouth. Uh, Cali. What else? I'm I carp has gotten real popular. There's plenty of places to fish for carp, too. Yeah, the thing we've gotten excited about recently are, are definitely the hybrids and the stripers. But this year was the first time I had actually gone uh, hybrid fishing. Have you? I imagine you've done that quite a bit over in your area. Not, not, not hybrids. We've got wild stripers here in the Potomac. Gotcha. Uh, I think the, the wipers are maybe the, the lakes, like Smith Mountain Lake. But, yeah, I usually just, I mean, it's I'm 15 minutes from the river, so I can go striper fishing. Oh. I like, and we have the tides you've got to deal with. So you've got to really have to find a, a moving tide at dark. That's the key for them. This was pretty interesting. I mean, when the water gets just the right temperature, they'll push all the shad to the top. It's all in the lake. But they'll just start busting the top, and you'll have just acres of water that's just exploding. So it's basically just throwing a fly out there and twitching it a couple of times, and it's on. They'll just come up and destroy it. That's the first time I've done it this year as well, and it's it's a timing thing. I mean, when the guys call up there and say it's on, you've got to jump in the truck and run. We got some pretty good video of it, hoping to get a little bit more in March. We fished a lot of gurglers, topwater stuff, and it was just neat watching them bust the top on those things. So you've got plenty of fish to keep you guys busy. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, it just changes with the with the wind. The season. Yeah, and we're close enough too, where we can um, we can drive down to Louisiana and do some red fishing as well. So Little Rock's actually and uh, Conway's logistically is really good for all kinds of fishing. Really, Conway actually has a huge. I mean, we have a big crappie lake. If you look on the map, Conway's pretty much surrounded by either the river or the lake. This right here, it's real shallow, but. They have crappie tournaments here every year with crappie master. I guess it's like bass master. I've never gotten into that side of it, but it's a really popular thing to do as well. Not to mention it's not bad to eat. Yeah, my buddy will take some home from the river. We get some monsters that come up with a shad run. I don't know if they're there to eat the shad eggs or the, the fry when they hatch, but they're dinner plate size. They're, you know, two pounders almost. Yeah, crappie. That's Big. It's probably the best fish meat there is on the planet. <laughs> They say snakehead is the best. That's why they're so expensive on the black market. Huh. Um, we've got the tournament, so they fry them and batter them. And I, <laughs> I actually don't eat fish, yeah. so I really have nothing to compare it to. Everyone thinks that's the weirdest thing for a guide, but yeah, 
I don't eat fish. Why do you not eat fish? I grew up with just weird household things we ate, and it was never, I was never exposed to fish. Yeah. I mean, the first time I tried shellfish was in college, and that's where I found I was allergic to all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so my throat closed up when I had a scallop, and I just thought it was an isolated incident. So, like, two months later, I had some crab legs, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. And my mom's like, oh, we're all allergic to shellfish in the family. I was like, well, you could have told me. I would have avoided it. But she's like, well, you never ate it, so we never told you. She told me to take a Benadryl and go to bed. <laughs> my brother's got the same thing. He even uh, took one for the team on his honeymoon and tried to eat some shrimp there. Oh, yeah. yeah, that went bad. Yeah, if I even handle shrimp, like, to smush it up for chum, my hands get all itchy and red. Yeah. Like, I can't even touch the shrimps. Isn't it the iodine isn't in it? or what? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I can eat mussels. I like the mussels. I, I'll eat mussels and oysters. That's about it. Looking, we're we've got a trip planned to go to New Orleans uh, first Ooh. part of February, and I'm going to tear up some oysters. I can't oh yeah, the Snakehead tournament last year had all you could eat oysters. The guy was just they were on ice, and he was just shocking them. Trent from the Orvis Dorm Bethesda, Maryland, had like two or three dozen. It was just, it was disgusting. He was just standing next to the guy. I mean, as fast as this guy could shock him, he was eating them. <laughs> Let's talk about what kind of gear do you guys use? So if you got seasonality in different species, I'm guessing just like the average. Nine foot five weight probably isn't gonna cut all of your uh, needs. No, and the, it's a good starter. We carry five weights. We've been using seven weights a lot. Yeah, yeah. Th- throwing the bigger stuff, streamers, bigger flies. Yeah, then going bass fishing, throwing the poppers and stuff like that using the seven weights. But we've been using loop a lot. I've kind of swapped over to the loop side of it. We use some Reddington as well, and that EvoTech is really like the loop EvoTech. Six weights and there's seven weights. Have you cast any of those yet? I have not. I usually try not to cast rods because then I'm going to want them. Yeah. That, and I really don't need. I I want rods. I don't need rods. Right. That's my problem. That EvoTech is. It's that rod. You know. I, I've kind of told people we're putting them all in our boats now. Getting rid of everything yeah. else. You, you know how every now and then somebody changes something, and you know it varies between manufacturer, but they just hit it right on a rod that. Uh-huh. The EvoTech has got that right now. I mean, you can take people out there and give them all the rods, which is usually what I do, string everything up, let them take them outside and cast them. And if they cast that rod, they're walking away with it. I mean, it's 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 just there's just that much difference in in the casting and the feel of it. And are these all the rods you guys sell in the shop? Yeah. Yeah. So they can go cast them and then, hey, I need one of those. Yeah. Come back and sell it to That's them. That's one of the things when I opened the shop, I always hated the in a lot of shops – I'm not going to say all shops, but in a lot of shops, you know, you get to shake it there on the floor. And, and that's the extent that, that you know what the rod feels like. And that was one of the things I wanted to do when we opened the shop was whatever I have, let's go outside and cast it. And that was one of the, the beauties of finding this building. I've got a big parking lot, but I've got a big grass lot beside it. So you can you go out there, take four or five rods and actually feel the difference. You know, especially new people, they always come in and the first thing they're thinking is I want the cheapest thing. But until you go out there and cast and see, you know, whether whether you want a fast action or a slow action or medium, medium. fast, you know, you don't really know what you want till you get out there and, and, and cast it and have somebody give you just a little bit of instruction. And I've put a lot of people off that's coming and looking for rods they want to buy a rod today but we've got a casting class saturday and part of the casting class is it's 30 bucks you come in everything that i have you have free you have free reign to you i mean we take it all out there put it on the rack pick up whatever rod you want but you go through the entire casting class find the rod that you want and then if you buy it that day that 30 bucks goes towards the rod so fantastic you you end up getting the rod that you want instead of guessing whether or not that's the rod you want. Yeah. Uh, what about the reels? Are you using loop reels? Yeah, we've been using the loop OptiStream. They're super okay. large arbor. They'll pick up a lot of line. Plus, they just look cool. Yeah. Is that the one that looks like a bicycle wheel? Yep, that's it. Yeah. The drag system on that's unreal, though. I've got a lady that bought one, and she went to Alaska. Patty Lucan run up to Alaska, and I forget where they went, but they were catching uh, three- and four-pound brook trout the entire time. But they were camped out wherever they were with a group and the problem with everybody's reels where they were burning up and uh, hers was the one that, that lasted. So that made her a believer and it made me a believer too, after she brought the pictures back. Absolutely. Yeah. What kind of lines are you matching those up with? It A lot of it's preference and we have Rio and airflow. airflow. Me personally on, on sinking lines, I prefer the, the airflow sinking lines. I used to 
the streamer tip, and then the ridge clear full intermediate sinking line. And we carry the loop lines too, but it, it just it just depends on on the rod, you know, pairing the line up with ever whichever rod you're using. When we were trying to get this to record for like 40 minutes beforehand, I heard somebody was getting a reel with right hand retrieve on it. I think they were getting left hand, and I okay. I, I, I reel right hand. <laughs> you can go ahead. Really? You can go ahead and start in on me, but yeah, I mean, does that swap over? Just, it's not happening. I mean, yeah, I mean, grew up with saltwater or old timers. That's usually where it. <laughs> it's growing up with a Zepco 33. Okay, that, that's where it all started. I, I didn't actually start fly fishing until I was 18, and that was that was kind of teaching myself on my own. Uh, right. You know, we went up to a place called uh, the Woodsman in Fort Smith, and that's where I got my first rod and reel. And you've probably heard of Dwayne Hayda, maybe. Maybe you've heard of Whitlock, so. Yep. Hate is kind of a, a legend up in the in the northwestern part of the state, but he started off at the Woodsman, and he and Brian kind of got me into it, got me geared up right, and got me on the right path. I still started off with the right hand reel, and I don't stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> and what uh, you guys build your leaders? You, no. You sell pre-made ones to people. Sell pre-made ones. If if we're doing a streamer rig, you know, we build our own leaders for it, but everything else is pretty much just a standard taper leader. And then what flies? Do you guys have you know location specific flies that you use that you mention it somewhere else and and no one's ever heard of it? No, not really. I mean, when you start tying, I mean, one of the one of the joys of tying is kind of being able to put your own twist on somebody's pattern. So I mean, you know, we'll go that route sometimes. You know, use a different material or something. And some people use that and call it their own fly, but it's still if it's a home invader, it's a variation. We've got a guy tying a home invader invader with cat hair right now. Like, I would be so allergic to that one. <laughs> You'd think I was eating shellfish in the back of the boat, but no, it's just the cat hair. Home invaders is probably one we use a lot. We use Dex Dungeons quite a bit, too. Deceivers a lot. We just got in a big order of Pat's flies, those uh, sulking sculpins. We just haven't been able to get them wet yet. Haven't had the opportunity. That and the slop mop. No, uh, no. John Barr's got a uh, meat whistle. We've used that yeah. a good bit. Uh, my buddy in Denver, that's like his go-to trout streamer is the meat whistle. It, I've seen him dredge up some big rainbows from underneath the bridges with it. That's, that's a great pattern for sure. Yeah. And we like everything, like the little red has a lot of timber in it. So I like to tie things that ride hook point up. That's my main thing. And then other than that, just various colors. Do you guys tie a lot of the flies for the shop? Do you order them? We tie a lot of the, a lot of the basic stuff. Do we do, you know, uh, some of the drives we order in. I've been trying to, wherever I can, order flies from the tires themselves, from American-made. You know, like try to keep Pat. it American-made. Like, we keep a lot of our streamers are Pat. Pat ties those. We've ordered some from Rich Strollis as well, Catching Shadows. Uh-huh. We've got a couple of local guys that tie. And then Jordan, when I can get him to sit down at the desk, ties a bunch of the scuds, sow bugs, midges. things like that, midges. And you guys appear to be fans of the Peak Vices. I, I see that on the, the pictures, and that's the one on the website. Yeah, I dig the Peak. We carry the Norvice and the Peak, but the Peak for the money, man, it, it, it's hard to beat that vice. I mean, uh, it's bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, and you could pick it up and use it as a weapon, too, if you needed to. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been a great seller. Like I said, most of the people that we're getting started, they're they're brand new to it. So, you know, dropping $400 on a vice is going to run them off. The peak, once they use it, do the same thing with the vices that I do with the rods. They're all set out here on the table. On tie nights, if, if you want to try one of the peaks or want to try the Norvice or whatever, jump on it tie away we keep a real messy tying desk right here in the center of the store that's got materials all over it so if you want to come in and try to tie something or want to learn to tie something or just try out just ask for the materials and or just grab them off the desk and go to working on the vice and would you suggest people get a c-clamp or a pedestal when they first get into tying i like the pedestal Pedestal. yeah yeah we do an event at a local bar here called um, Beer Ties once a month where it's like 80 people just drinking beer and tying flies. Yeah. I, I was always a C-clamp person, and I just had to get a pedestal because every table is different and, and nothing fits. Right. The clamps don't fit on anything in that bar. Right. It's probably going to keep you out of trouble with your wife, too. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Putting the C-clamp on the dining room tables. <laughs> That's right, Ty. Kitchen table. Yep. Making a couple of good marks on that usually puts you in the doghouse for a couple of days. Or buying a table. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've got a Regal. I just had to get a new cork for the bottom because it wore out. So my, mine was sliding across our cheap Ikea table. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you could get the Regal grip, the way you grip it, on the peak vibe. That would be perfect, man. That would be great. Somebody to have the. We're going to patent that. Okay. Um, and you guys have a specific boat you like to use also. You want to talk about the, adip- the boat that's all over your website? The Adipose. Adipose. Adipose Boat Works. We've, we've rowed a bunch of different ones. I'm not going to name names, but the Adipose. When you get in it, some of the problem we've had with the other ones, if you're fishing in the front, there's plenty of room. But if you the one that gets stuck in the back of the boat, you know, you're cramped. There's crap everywhere that you're going to hang your line on. The, the adipose, I think you've got more room in the back than you do in the front. And and you can you can fish out of the seat. The seat's a pedestal, so you can raise or lower them. And then, too, since it's a pedestal, if you like streamer fishing a lot, if your line does go over the seat, it's real easy to get it right back off. You know, some drift boats will have the flat storage box, and then the seat uh-huh. just, like, screwed into it. Your customer accidentally wraps the line around the seat, and then the seat twists, and it's got grease and or it's just cut. Uh, literally, but that's one of the biggest things about the adipose is I really like having the pedestal seats in there. And two, they just they just run really uh, ridiculously shallow. Shallow and stable. I mean, you know, one of the first things I used to have to tell everybody when they got in the boat, especially a client that was a little heavier, you know, make sure you go ahead and lock in, lock the leg in to keep them in the center of the boat. And with the adipose, I mean, you're still going to get some shift, but it's it's nowhere near what you do with some of the others. I tell you, another big thing is their trailer has double rollers in the back and a roller in the front. So it just flies right off that trailer when you're putting it in the water and rolling it back onto it is super easy, too. Do you guys have a lot of boat ramps where you've got a shuttle system worked out? Because here, here we just, I mean, there's like one boat ramp on the entire, or two on the tidal, tidal section of it's, the Potomac. It's, it's getting awful. better. Like some of the rivers, a lot of the trout streams, Jet boats are actually more popular right now than the drift boats, but the drift boats are really starting to catch on because people realize that there's a lot of smallmouth streams and trout streams, and the smallmouth streams, a lot of them have horsepower restrictions, and so you can go there with the drift boat and uh, not a jet, but the shuttle service is starting to happen. A lot of times you may have to have, like on a little red, maybe a customer shuttle with you, or there's one shuttle service there right now. And some of the smallmouth streams, the big piney, we went out there and there's no boat ramps. It's basically put your Jeep or truck in four wheel drive and just drop the trailer off. <laughs> we got some Wow. We got some pretty cool video. But yeah. I've got a the truck ball is in the center of my chest and I'm six foot two. And uh we pulled the boat up from there straight, straight up. up. <laughs> wow. That's when double rollers are handy on a trailer, for sure. Yeah. But that's one of the main reasons I went with the drift boat. You know, we was talking about the, the different restrictions. I mean, Arkansas, I think, I want to think it's like 6,400 miles of, of rivers and streams is what we've got. And each one of them, you can't take a power boat on. On half of them, I wouldn't say. Yeah. But you can take a drift boat on probably 90% of them. Or if you just want to tow it out west, too, just a lot more options uh, there. That's Well, I used to have a drift boat. A drunk. It was parked on the shoulder over here because mm-hmm. we live in a condo, and a drunk lady hit it with her car. Oh yes. man! Yeah, so I'm getting a stealth craft built. Should be in the out next, of uh, about two months out of Michigan. Yeah, we saw. Yeah, there was one on the Eleven Point this past weekend. They're they're really nice too. I saw that one at Somerset. It was just like well, the only thing that my old boat had compared to my new one is that they both float. Yeah, there is just nothing, nothing the same on them. This thing is so more advanced and. And it's like the revert. It's called the ATB. Mm-hmm. So when I'm if I'm rowing it, the outboard is going to be on the bow. Huh. So it's like reversed when you row it. Gotcha. Yeah. But I mean, it's got storage, and I just got to find out where to park it now. That's not on the shoulder. <laughs> but, uh, is there a particular make and model you guys have? Well, Adipose they they sell uh, river jet boats as well as drift boats, but their drift boat. It's called the Flow, the Adipose Flow, and it's it's a skiff. Well, it's not even a skiff. It's like a cross between a drift boat and a skiff because they're wider than most skiffs, but they're low-sided, so the wind uh, doesn't beat you to death if you're you know, out in the river and it's 25-mile-an-hour winds or something. Yeah, that was my last boat. I mean, a small gust would just – that thing would be circling, um, like, a, like a boat circling a drain. Yeah. It was awful. Pushing you up river and you can't get, <laughs> I can't get. Yeah, or just 
yeah. like clients would tangle in a tree. Because we do a lot of suburban lakes with pontoon boats, and these boats are moored, and no one uses them. They've got freshwater corals growing over the outboards. The seats have been like eaten by rats. There's geese nesting in them, but God forbid you, the wind blows your boat and touches one of them. They come out like this. One lady came out her moo just screaming at us. <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, it's the wind. We got caught in a tree." And we, I mean, just we barely kissed her boat, but yeah, she had to come out and give us an earful. <laughs> but but no, we're we're definitely sold on on the adipose and the trailers and that Mike and Tracy, the guys that own it, uh, they're just two really great guys, and it's always cool to. But same with Stealthcraft, you know, buy from uh, people, just a small mom-and-pop shop, so to speak. They're trying to build something. Yeah. You know they put their hands on it yeah. at some point, you know. Right. And and they, I talked to Mike, and everything about my boat's, you know, exactly to what I wanted. Yeah. All custom. I'm looking forward to the electric boat winch for the anchor. I saw a guy up on the white with one of those. He had a huge Stealthcraft, though. I want to think it had four seats in it. Was it the jet I, boat? looking there's a bunch of boats yeah. mine's gonna have two seats in the front the rower seat and then i guess a full bench and a seat in the back wow, wow dang yeah it's a limo pretty much i want to do because we're trying to move out west eventually so i want to be able to do some you know, long trips in wyoming and colorado and montana yeah yeah, yeah. and we went to idaho this summer i will we're, definitely be going we're back dying there. to go back that place <laughs> is beautiful the henry yeah yeah, I only fished the Lake Pondere area for bull trout and cutthroat. It was pretty gnarly up there, just the amount of fish I was catching. Yeah, we had one long day there. We we actually did a weekend trip from here to Adipose, picked up the boat, went to Idaho Falls and spent the night. 32 hours straight, nonstop, oh. between Tim and I both, just drove 32 hours nonstop, picked up the boat, went to the Henry's Fork, Fished that Saturday and then straight from the boat ramp drove all the way back to Conway, Arkansas, another 32 hours back in three days. <laughs> you guys must have smelled ripe. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, we went through a lot of Red Bull. Got some speeding tickets. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Just just a just a FYI, if you're going through North Dakota, state troopers drive F-150s there. Wow. And if you pass them at 80, they will pull you over. The lights are on the uh, dashboard, too. They're not on top, so they're kind of covert. You don't see them. <laughs> I've never. I've done South Dakota, never North. We went out there right when the Colorado had all the flooding, uh-huh. there, so we had to go back through North Dakota. We would have come back through Colorado, but I mean, we were, that's a far drive. Yeah, we were right. You got to cross Montana and Wyoming. Yeah, we had some ridiculous uh, weather. I mean, it's just hard to get back because everything was flooded, pretty much. Murphy's Law. Yeah. If I knew how much pheasant tails were worth in the fly tying world. I would not have passed a thousand dead ones on the road in South Dakota. I would have pulled out and cut every tail clump off. They were everywhere. I mean, you think it was biblical that they fell from the sky, but they're just such dumb birds. They'd walk across the road and get hit. Yeah. We were out near the Badlands, and they were just—I mean—littered the shoulder. I didn't tie with pheasant tails back then. All right, so let's talk about your uh, your TV show, Chasing Waters. How did that sort of come to fruition? Where can people find it? Online clips. Where's it going to go in the future? Well, it just kind of started out of out of going to film a commercial and then somehow ended up into a TV show. And uh, we're actually still filming right now, but you can find it on the Pursuit channel, which if you have Dish or DirecTV, you have the channel. Dish, it's actually 393 and on on uh, Direct, it's 604. But it's on Monday nights is, is the, the main showing at 9 o'clock. And it repeats on Friday morning at 11 and Saturday morning at 7. No, it's all Eastern times. No, we were just kind of traveling around. It kind of started off, we were just going to do Arkansas. But as word got out, you know, we've had people want us to come to different places. Uh, we went to Rockport, Texas, and went down there and fished for redfish. Put a drift boat into the saltwater, which is a little different. But we had a blast because there was a no-prop zone. Okay. We fished out of our uh, out of post out in the salt for redfish. Yeah, Mike Ward actually came down and fished with us on that one, one of the owners of Adipose. But... Um, now we're just kind of branching out and kind of going all over the south. Like I said earlier, we're going red fishing with Greg Moon in uh, February, which I don't know if, if, if you haven't seen the redfish he's pulling out. It's well worth friending him on Facebook to see. Uh, he's pulling out some pigs. Yeah, big I mean, reds. huge reds just pretty much every day. So I'm really looking forward to that. This weekend we went and fished with Brian Sloss on the 11 point in Missouri. But uh, we're just trying to show short trips. You know, there's there's tons of shows 
that show all the big destinations, you know, to Belize and the New Zealand. Exotic, exotic ones. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, most <laughs> of us are, are, are looking for those places that are, you know, just something a little break from the norm of what we're doing, but, but close enough to where you're not going to break the bank to go. And that's what we're trying to do with the show. Okay. Is there an awful place you've been to with the show that you, was no good? Or has everything just been like a total fantastic experience? No, no, it's it's been fun. And fishing trips, if you kind of got to watch yourself because when you when you bring cameras along, you know you've got to <laughs> fish don't like them. No, yeah, exactly. You can shut them off. I mean, we've had several times. Just for instance, about three weeks ago, we had uh, we took two drift boats and we were just fishing for fun, but we took the camera with us. We were on a shoal and I had four guys fishing, and then I was fishing right there. All of us were just wearing fish out. I mean, just almost every cast, bang, bang, bang. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I said, told Chris, I said, I'm going to go grab the camera and go set up, set up. There was a little elevated spot up over the show. I said, I'm just going to go up there, set up, point the camera down. As soon as I pushed record, nobody shot other fish. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's all fun and games. That you're, it, Adding it, a camera creates a whole new dimension. Yeah, doing yeah. it for sure. But but it's been fun. We're enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, we actually got a we did this last episode. There, the episode that's actually airing this week. Chris caught a fifteen pound brown. Uh, yeah, it's it's an awesome fish uh, on the little red. We had a really good two days right there. And uh, then um, and then the eleven point right after that, we did really well at the smallmouth. So yeah. So but no, just just the experience, and that's what we're trying to show too. It's not the typical show where you have the guy and you're just staring at his back and watching him rake in fish trying to just kind of show the whole experience of the travel down there and you know the fun aspect of it yeah so when we caught that snakehead I, we actually caught it and had to hold it until the camera crew could get there because we we went out filming and we'd never had any love from the snakeheads yeah <laughs> and then sure enough we catch one i pick up my cell phone and i'm like hurry up you guys are five minutes away by the time we get back you know, to shore, we can just drag it with us because technically it's illegal to possess a live one. But we had it in the water in the net, and then the camera crew showed up and we did all the filming. And yeah, they yeah, well, you, you know they the stories cameras. of it. Then it's it's fun, but it, it can be stressful too. But no, we've had a we've had a, a good experience everywhere. You know, even when we went to Texas, we rolled down there and the the front had just come through and jacked the water all up. Didn't really catch a whole lot of fish. Putting the adipose in the water. <laughs> probably some and, of the most fun we've had. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, you know, if we could go back, we'd have spent all three days out there in the no prop zone because, you know, that was just a blast. Tooling around back in the little, little, uh, I guess it's mangroves yeah. or grass beds, whatever you want to call it. We towed a kayak behind the drift boat, too, and yeah, had the camera guy sitting back there. So, it, do you guys have sponsors for the TV show that help? We've, we've got a few. Pay the bills. We've got a few sponsors right now. Toadfly and Adipose are, are uh, two of them. Fayette Chill has just come on with us. Uh, we've got some other people that we're talking to. Sponsors is, is a tough deal, too. And so we're just trying to, to keep it rolling and try to make it something. You know, and so far, we've had a lot of really good response. The whole aspect of trying to make it a little bit different seems to be catching on. And you guys mentioned a term that... I've heard, but I can't really define it. What exactly is a shoal? Because I don't it's think we've a, got those in the mid-Atlantic. It's a riffle. That's a, they call them shoals here, but it's it's basically a, a where, riffle. Where the water's where the water shallows up, and you've just kind of got a gravel bed. Some rock is exposed. Yeah, where you can wait. Okay. And other than that, you're going to be fishing in big deep pools, and and the shoals are just where the water really the the river usually widens out a little bit and thins up, but it usually makes for a good fish holding spot. Now I know. Just a local term? Yeah, local, local geographical term, term for a ripple, essentially. All right. <laughs> Come to Arkansas. You'll get a lot of local terms. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the, uh, like, Andrew Zimmern eating in Arkansas. What did he eat? I don't know. Stuff that man. Well, he ate snakehead here, but I, I usually turn my head away when it's brains, reproductive organs. and Chitlins. <laughs> eyeballs. 
I don't think we do any of that, but we do do a lot of fried. It, it's mainly just fried. If it's fried, we're eating it. Yeah. My wife made me get rid of my deep fryer a couple of years ago, but raviolis, tater tots. I mean, you name anything. We would just have fry parties where people would just bring tater something tots, over. To, yeah. Yeah. And catfish and hush puppies and fritters. and Love hush puppies. I love hush puppies, too. Because... I'm the guy that gets the nasty sandwich at the seafood restaurants. I get the hush puppies and that burger that's been sitting there for 10 years in the freezer. (laughs) You can say this is a cannon. Cannon was one of our kids on dry run. He's one of the stars. He just, he's standing here behind me staring at the computer. So let's get him on. Say something. What's your name? My name is Rob Snow White, like the seven dwarves. Why? That's the name my parents gave me. <laughs> uh, Bob, named after Robert Kennedy, and apparently someone at Ellis Island decided our last name would be Snow White. I think it's pretty cool. But I grew up with a name like Bull. Yeah, I'm sure people added stuff to the end of that. Yeah, too much, yeah. Too much sometimes. People would be like, oh, let's call you Rain Black. And I'm like, wow, that's that's a creative <laughs> one. Nice to meet you. As to you, I'd shake your hand, but it doesn't go that way with the internet. <laughs> All right, well, that sort of wraps up my things. Um, I, I didn't notice you guys have, like, no shipping cost on the website, so people can can go through. You know, it's a good website. You guys definitely have the technology, being the younger, I guess, maybe younger generation or someone's just the tech savvy. I think you said Chris was earlier. Yeah, Chris is tech savvy. And then I've got uh, Matt Livingston actually does my website. He's a big duck hunter. He puts on the Arkansas Outdoors Expo here every year in Conway. Just that's one of the cool things about opening the shop is just all the people that I've lucked into meeting. Everyone has a skill outside of just fly fishing, you know, it seems. So, and it's all worked out. Everyone has something different to pitch in with. And everybody's, everybody's looking at the shop trying to make it grow. And that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I, I hope it's everywhere like that, but it seems like Arkansas. We have, everybody tries to help everybody. That's good. So that that reminded me of some shop questions. Do you like your buddies call up and, with a voice and be like, you guys got bait and worms. <laughs> no, but I get like other, other shops calling you guys up messing with you. No, no, not so much, but we didn't get a lot of the bait calls. <laughs> we, we had someone call the Orvis store once and asked if we sold raccoon traps. <laughs> and I was like, why would you think we had raccoon traps? She's like, why wouldn't you have them? <laughs> I mean, come like, on. You got me. I, I don't know, lady. I don't even know what a raccoon trap is. I mean, in college, we had a stick and some donuts and a box, and we tried to catch a possum when we drank too much one night, like the old-fashioned cartoon, you know, trapping an animal. But oh, yeah. he was too smart to eat the donuts and get caught in the box. <laughs> I had a guy run over. We were out driving around one night, and a possum was in the road like that. And he went to run over his tail and just kind of clipped him on the back. One of the guys in the back had a broke leg, and he said he'd get out and beat it. This is probably not something you want to put out. <laughs> but said he was going to beat it, go ahead and kill it. His crutch? Yeah, he was going to go ahead and finish it off with his crutch. And the possum was down in the bottom of the ditch. And it was it was a pretty steep embankment there. And he went to swing at the possum. And when he did, he lost his balance and fell oh, no. right in front of it. <laughs> they they wasn't more than a foot apart. And that possum was just hissing at him. Off, yeah. oh. Classic. We drug him back up the hill backwards. <laughs> all right anything else you guys want to talk let's talk about your social media where can we guys find you you know i've never figured out the pinterest but you guys you guys have that I, you got instagram twitter it's almost feminine i just yeah, i don't know there's a guy version of it called oh it's if you go to the chive app or the chive website which if you're young kids don't go to the chive there's too much too much cleavage um it's called tapiture like t-a-p-i-t-u-r-e yeah huh and it's like the dude version where it'll be like a picture of like a straight edge razor and an old badger brush and foam for like shaving or it'll be like a hot chick shooting pool. I don't know. I guess it's the, the dude version. Yeah. I, it's everything I can do to keep up with Twitter and Instagram, Instagram and Facebook, which I guess I, I don't know if Facebook's it kind of seems the shift is more towards Instagram right now. But uh, you don't have to read anything. It's just all visual. Yeah. That's how stupid we're getting in America. I can believe it. I mean, they're getting dumb. They, you know, it didn't start snowing until like one o'clock today, and they canceled school at ten o'clock last night. Yeah. So our kids are getting dumber because they can't handle the cold and they can't go to school when it flurries. So they're missing out. Yep. 
you can find us at the toadfly dot or the toadfly dot com is our website. Uh, just search the toadfly on Facebook. We come up pretty quick on it as well. Twitter and Instagram both are the toadfly as well. And then we've also got a chasing waters page that we just put up. I've got one other thing I'd, I'd like to talk about a little bit. Go we for it. Need to get it. We kind of need to get it out there. Oh, the the HR thing that yeah, you mentioned. Uh, it, okay, house rule from DC. I know HR's house rule. Yeah. I will remind you guys wear some sunscreen because I just had my first precancerous growth just cut out the other day. Really? Yeah, part of the job. Do you wear um? Do you wear those buff masks? I wear a, I wear a buff. I wear dermatone sunscreen and a big cowboy hat, and I apply liberally. I don't know if it reflected off my glasses that one spot on my nose from maybe going like because we go um clockwise around all the lakes i don't know if that just had something to do with like the reflection on my nose so i know i'm gonna be putting my microphone in people's faces at somerset this week and they're all gonna be looking at my nose <laughs> being like what happened to that guy i'm going to, to tim's there's a nice striper it looks like you're on uh a kayak there yeah that's uh Are you guys running a, a nine nine outboard i've got a uh six horsepower outboard on mine okay. The nine nine's got a, it really jumps in weight at eight horsepower and up. So the six, for me at least, has been a good, a good compromise because it weighs like forty seven pounds, forty pounds. I have to keep mine. Mine's like eighty pounds, and when I, it's either in my parents' house or my car, and it's too heavy. I don't. It's all top heavy too. I don't like lifting it. Yeah. All right, so we got here HR two two six one. That's it. 2261, and it, it's actually one of the congressmen from Arkansas, Rick Crawford, that's, that's brought it up. We, uh, you know, we have Greer's Ferry Hatchery and then also Norfolk Hatchery that, that, that supplies the stockers for our rivers. Do, do y'all have the mitigation side? Do y'all have any kind of mitigation species that's, that they've had to put in for y'all? Here was dumped in in the 1800s, except the snakeheads. So that's why everyone's like, oh, you get rid of the snakeheads. They're invasive. I'm like, well, there's only five fish that you fish for in the Potomac that are native. Yeah, everyone thinks the carp are native, the largemouth, the smallmouth, the bluegill. I'm like, nope. Yeah, but they 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 pretty much established themselves on their own. They're, yeah. See, we don't have that here. You know, the browns have, have established themselves on the little red. But the the mitigation, what that is, is when they came in and put the dam in on the on the little red and created Greer's Ferry Lake and then Bull Shoals Dam and Norfolk Dam, they destroyed some perfect smallmouth water. They did that all the way across the south. I know there's several in Tennessee that have that. I think there's a couple in Georgia, but they they destroyed the habitat. So so what happened was is the federal government said that if you're going to do this, then you're going to have to mitigate and bring in another game fish species. So they chose trout to put back in the rivers. Well, what's happened now and over the years, supposedly the new administration or whoever's over uh, the the game and fish. It's not the game and fish. It's the Whoever's over it decided to start cutting funding for things that are non-native, non-native species. But we don't have a choice on on that. If they quit stocking the rainbows and and the other fish that are in the rivers, those fish, they don't reproduce on their own. So then we're just going to end up with a barren watershed. And it's a put-and-take fishery as well. So the catch and release is established in some spots, but not the whole river. So, But regardless, you know, those fish will go away in just a few years if they don't. What uh, Congressman Crawford's proposed is, is to, to go ahead and make a law, what should have been made in the front, on the front end, and make the Corps of Engineers, the Tennessee Valley Authority, and the other people that are making money off the generation from the dam, <clears throat> make them pay for it. And the crazy thing is, is they're only talking about like our two hatcheries only take a million and a half dollars. But that million and a half dollars for every dollar that's spent creates ninety five dollars. So you're looking at a hundred million dollars that's generated off off a mill and a half. And the money that the, the Corps of Engineers makes off the generations through the roof. So what what everybody needs to be aware of and, and I'll have an interview from the congressman out. Hopefully by the end of the week, it's actually airing right now on our on our Chasing Water series. If this doesn't pass in the first quarter, it's 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 very likely that we're going to lose Greer's Ferry in October. I mean, uh, we almost lost it. It was a last ditch effort, and they kind of kept it under the under the radar to slip it through. We almost lost Greer's Ferry this year. Some letters from all of our congressmen and senators, as well as the ones from Tennessee and I think North Dakota. And a couple of others uh, got that stalled, and we got a one-year extension. Everybody has a, something at stake in this because 
all the hatcheries, if they keep cutting funding, all the hatcheries are in danger of going away. And I know there's there's some effort in certain places, you know, that they want to tear the dam, the dams down and and take it back to a natural habitat. You know, like in some of the steelhead areas, I've read several articles on that. But that's not an option here, and that's not an option in a lot of places in the South. The dam was built in the 60s, and so now we've got development all the way around the lake. So, and you know, there's money that's generated off of off of the dam being there with the electric production, and then the all the housing down below. Tearing the dam out's not an option. A mill and a half out of the profits of something that's that's making a substantial amount of money is not a big thing to try to get pushed over, especially when you look at all the all the people that will be affected from it if if, if it doesn't go through. It's like the the sacred cow in India that it's worth more alive than dead. Having the reservoir and the damned airs because they're not really migratory fish that are you know like the Pacific Northwest. No, no, you're not trying to protect you know bring back salmon. It's a recreational area that the economy is based on. Right, right, and you know, and they've been hit. I'd like to see them take that take that law one step further and actually regulate and make a minimum flow because last year. White North Fork. Yeah, the, the White and the North Fork have already established the minimum flow now. But the Little Red last year, we had a record su- record hot summer. The lake was still had plenty of water in it, but but they completely shut the water off to the point where we started losing a lot of uh, big browns. I mean, we had a couple of guides up there that filled up boats with dead brown trout. Oh. That's the only reason that they ever started generating water, and it it fluctuates continually. So there's a lot of erosion cause yeah and, so. and just establishing a minimum flow would make a, a firmer base on the edge of the river you know if they would keep some sort of constant flow through there you know and you know understandably when we have torrential rains and and the lake's gone to the extremes you know yeah there's nothing they can do about that but when we sit back and hold water just thinking on the money side the overall the fishery the fishery and the impact that it's having on everybody else it's just like one person sitting there holding all the Worrying about their money and not worrying and taking advantage of everybody else. I'm trying to be nice with my wording there. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a good step to try to make sure that, that it goes on. And, and like I said, it, it affects all the hatcheries in the, in the South. Congressman said they're, the way they're talking right now, this could be a trend uh, of cutting money back, and, and you could end up with no hatcheries. Yeah, so it's a little domino effect. Well, if you guys do have to testify... Bring the boat with you to D.C. Definitely. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we'll get to testify, but but you know everybody kind of spread the word on it because they're going to try to get this pushed through, and this is at no cost to the taxpayer. That's that's what's crazy. Yeah. It, it should be a no brainer. I don't figure if if not enough noise is made, then it'll probably just fall to the wayside and not be handled, and there'll be a lot of people that'll get noisy then, and then it'll be too late. So where can listeners? Read up on that. Decide your social media. You can go to our social media, but you can go to Congressman Rick Crawford's page. Uh, you can also just look up the bill online. Everybody uses the Internet. Like you said, everybody's afraid to read, but go and actually read the bill. Call your congressman. Call your senators. And it's not controversial. This is this. This should be something easy to get past. All right. Well, I'm glad we fit. Yeah. If you guys hadn't posted on Facebook today about that HR. I'll post um, right when we get off. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would not have known to even talk about, I should have had that in my, my notes, but I didn't do that. The things you do when you have a snow day and a toddler, you don't get anything done. Yeah. Snow days used to be for drinking and sledding, but no, <laughs> things have changed. I haven't touched a snow shovel in four years. Tonight might be the first time. So we'll see. DC just broke its two and a half inch record. Of snow at the na- at national airport today. So, so y'all really shut down for two and a half inches of snow. Oh yeah, the kids. If it's too, if it's like fifteen degrees, mm-hmm. they cancel school. We're raising a bunch of sissies here. <laughs> I, I thought we were bad, but yeah. Well, um, I think that covers everything I want to talk about, guys. Really appreciate you uh, getting back to me after we couldn't do this at iCast. This is a little bit better at iCast. A little more time to hang out and chat. Yeah. And learn about all, other things, alligators in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Come on down whenever you get ready, and we'll put you on the water. Will do. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. We should have this up uh, next couple of days. Yeah. Send you a link for iTunes. Sounds great. Cool. Thanks, thanks a lot. It. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, 
please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv in wild country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment for in the Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.